You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Veach Season. I am your host, Rocky Magania, joined by my main amigo and co-host, Price Carter, on this on this matinee uh, episode of Veach Season. We're recording on we usually record on Sunday nights, but tonight we're, today we are recording on a Friday afternoon. So we're going to try to go over some some stuff that's been going on, and if uh, it's a little outdated by the time it hits you on Monday, we apologize. But uh, you know. Schedules are what schedules are, and life comes at you fast. And if you're you're not paying attention, it just might pass you by, as Ferris Bueller once said. And so, Price, how are we doing today, buddy? I'm doing well. Uh, yeah. So whenever the Chiefs make some big move Friday evening, you're welcome. We we are the reason why. So um, we appreciate the bad luck or good luck of that happening um, as it relates to the pod. But I think we've got some good information here, and you know, we can kind of just jump into it here a little bit. Uh, there's actually been a little bit of recent Chiefs news that just happened this afternoon. The Chiefs brought back Blake Bell, uh, which doesn't really move the needle a whole lot. The only thing is, Rocky, and I'll ask you this, do you think them bringing back Blake Bell means that they're just like out on drafting a tight end? What do you think? You know, I no, I don't think that it means that they're out on drafting a tight end per se. Do I think they're going to carry four tight ends? No, either. But I do think there's a role there for Blake Bell possibly to jump in as a full as a fullback to replace Michael Burton and or just to kind of be an ancillary roster player to kind of come in as a blocking tight end, play a little bit of fullback, maybe be your scrum quarterback on uh third and one and pull that Eagles Super Bowl, you know, you know, rugby scrum sneak up the middle, you know, so you don't have to have Patrick's knee get turned around backwards again. Um, So I think there's a spot for him on the team. I don't think it, it precludes them from taking a tight end, but it's definitely not good news for it either. You know what I mean? Right. I I think with the addition of bell, this just kind of gives them what they always like. It makes it so if they get nothing out of the draft at that position, they're satisfied. They can absolutely go to camp with those four guys and be satisfied. They have played with four guys on the active roster before. Um, and then they've had some of them be game, game day scratches. Blake Bell and Jody Fortson just kind of rotated who was in and who was out most of the season anyways. And also, I don't necessarily think any of these guys are just inexpensive. I know the person we like the most is probably Noah Gray, other than obviously Travis Kelsey. But if for some reason they get, you know, like a Dalton Kincaid or whatever, and Noah Gray kind of becomes redundant, if if Noah Gray doesn't make it on the team this year, it's not going to be in the world. None of these names are so highly invested or such a big deal that we're going to be all torn up about it. So I'm fine with it. It just feels like a good kind of raise the floor a little bit of the roster in the sense of, you know, you could in theory cross off tight end off the draft board entirely. If that's something they choose to do. A hundred percent. I'm kind of 
visualize this as like a boat that has a couple of holes in it and there's some and it's taking on a little bit of water. And this is what Veach does every year, man. He takes he takes whatever guy, whatever Blake Bell he can find, or you know, whatever Derek Nottie he can find, and he just plugs the holes on that boat to shore it up just to get him to the draft where then he can kind of build it out with with the younger players in the draft. And then post-draft, he'll look to make a couple more moves to kind of round out the entire roster. Everybody that's on that's on Twitter right now freaking out about the Chiefs haven't made a move, the Chiefs haven't made a splash. What are we going to do at wide receiver? What are we going to do here and there? Guys, at this time last year, Tyreek Hill was still a Chief. Like, things happen fast in this in the world, and you, you just – it's – it's it's a long term plan for each offseason. It's a full picture mentality. We just gotta kinda woosa, take a deep breath, and just understand that that trust in Veach. Daddy's been here before and daddy always takes care of his people. And so and so I'm uh I, I'm I'm not panicking about it. Going back to a tight end, I don't think that anybody's indispensable. I don't even think uh Noah Gray's indispensable. I think that if you get to round three or round four and a guy like Sam Laporta is still on the board, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if the Chiefs take a take a swing at him. I think he's the high upside guy who's a natural receiver who on tape has hints of Travis Kelsey in the way he runs his routes and and the way he naturally catches the ball away from his body. So I think if there's the right guy there, they'll make a move for him, but I don't think it's something that they're gonna prioritize as a need they have to fill, if that makes sense. Right. And just kind of goes along similar with that. Uh, Chiefs brought back Derek Nadi. I believe that was yesterday or maybe two days ago. Again, you're just raising the floor of a position group. He has some familiarity with the defense. Obviously, he's played for a long time. In my opinion, Derek Nadi's play has regressed pretty much since 2020. Uh, I think 2019 is probably his best year. He's getting up there in age, but he has a clear path to snaps on this roster. I would like for the ceiling of that position to be higher outside of Chris Jones than Derek Nadi. Uh, Chiefs also brought in some death uh, signing of former Patriots player with Byron Cowart, kind of an interesting player as well. Again, th- th- these are just depth moves, but hey, you need these things. And again, Derek Nadi frees you up a little bit in the draft. They have some guys that they feel like can kick in there that are edge defenders with Mike Dana and Charles Minahu. This just, again, frees up the draft board for them to let it play to them. There is no need outside of wide receiver right now that you feel like you have to be, you know, painted into a corner with taking. No, you don't. And that's the whole thing with this is, is Byron Coward a good football player? Not necessarily. He played 20% of snaps last year and PFF gave him a 30 rating in those snaps overall. Like the guy isn't a needle mover by any means, other than the fact that he's a name on a depth chart I think he's what, like 6'3, 6'4, 300 pounds. So at the very least, he's a big body that the people have to run around rather than just having an open lane. Um, but he's uh he 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 rounds out the roster and gives you somebody there where you didn't have them before, where he's at least a pro body. Um, and so yeah, it's not like this isn't a breaking news signing by any means, but he's a player that that you know that, that that if the Chiefs have, I'm, I'm I haven't seen the financials yet, but I'm sure it's we're, we're looking at a league minimum contract where if at the end of uh of training camp the Chiefs are like this just doesn't work out, it's there's there's probably very little or no guaranteed money on it, and they're, pr- they're probably able to walk away from him pretty risk free. I mean, he was out of the league in 2021 and then came back in 2022. 
speaking of Byron Coward, just a little plug here. Our very own Ron, the Jules Cop Jr., uh, will be breaking down uh, Byron Coward uh, over on the on the website later on today on Friday. And so by the time this comes out, the article will already be out. So if you haven't go, gone and read up on him yet, go back to the website, click that link, and then check out the film breakdown that Ron has on him. So that way you can kind of know where the Chiefs are getting with him. Um, moving on, there's been a little bit of drama this week. You mentioned wide receiver. Um, it's a little bit of a will they, won't they? You know, uh, courtship and romance with uh, a couple wide receivers, just specifically the flavor of the week last week was OBJ uh, or the week before. Uh, now this week, it seems to be a little, it seems to be more like DeAndre Hopkins is coming, kind of coming into view. There's, uh, you got Des Bryant out there saying, don't be surprised if uh, the Chiefs signed DeAndre Hopkins. You have Aaron Wilson on Twitter saying the Chiefs are out on DeAndre Hopkins. Bills are the front runners. And then you have Aaron Wilson again today saying, the Chiefs are very interested in DeAndre Hopkins. Don't be surprised if the Chiefs make a play for DeAndre Hopkins. There's a little bit of uh, hokey pokey, one foot in, one foot out. You know, what are they going to do on it? And this is all, in my opinion, just a bunch of smoke screens, man. Like this time of year, everybody is lying to you. The player's agent wants you to believe that there's a bigger market for the player than there actually is. The team that has the player wants you to believe there's a bigger market than, the, than there actually is because they want to get more trade compensation. And then the teams who are trying to trade for the player want you to think, want you to pull the whole like like early grade school, like act like you don't like the person when you actually like them, right? Like like they just want you to say like this guy sucks, I don't want him, take it or leave it. I'll give you the brain and cook steel. Anything beyond that, I'm out, right? Which which could be true, could not be true because everybody's lying. Everybody's a bunch of liars this time of year. I mean, so what do you think? What's so help help us see through the smoke, Price. Well, I I I'm not pressing the panic button yet, and I agree with what you've said. Brett Veach deserves the benefit of the doubt. The Chiefs were in the situation last year. However, I will do a little pushback on you know everyone lines up on fifty on you know one shade or the other shade. It's either black or it's white. There is no gray in between. This is not the situation from last year. I understand it's really cool to be the person on Twitter who goes oh. You know, you all were saying this last year, and look at what happened. Oh, it's so different. It really is so different, and here's why. The Chiefs have one asset right now on their team that is comparable to what Tyreek Hill was as far as the level of player and where they were contract-wise, and that's Chris Jones. The Chiefs do not have an asset that they can move like that. The Chiefs had a need, and they moved a player for that need and got draft compensation and salary cap space in return, and it worked out. But what was what was paired with Tyree Kill going on the move? That day, the Chiefs brought in Marquez Valdez, Scantling, and signed him. So then they had made two moves at wide receiver. Juju Smith-Schuster, Marquez Valdez, Scantling. Then they took one in the draft in the second round with Sky Moore. And I think, I, you know, I'm not sure where Justin Watson played into that as well. But they threw numbers at that issue. So they had additional resources that they turned into more players. The problem with that narrative this year is, one, the Chiefs do not have four picks inside the top 70 picks in the NFL draft like they did last year. The Chiefs also do not have the cap flexibility of moving a highly paid wide receiver like they did last year. So either you're telling me you think the Chiefs are trading Chris Jones or there's a chance of them moving Chris Jones and then we've got draft compensation and we can do it all over again. Or you think that they're going to do it again with less resources and do it equally. In my opinion, 
I don't think that the Chiefs have the players on their roster right now or can get the players in the draft minus a dramatic move up to maintain being the best offense in the NFL. Look, it's the best offense in the NFL, right? That's the expectation. That's really high bar to set. So maybe they'll be top five. And guess what? That might be good enough if, you, if the defense is improved. But I don't see a defense right now, and I don't see it through the draft, that's going to be a top five defense. It's like, look, we're going to win games with our defense. Our defense is going to be our playmaker. And I don't see the players on offense right now, and unless Sky Moore is taking a massive step forward, that there's a huge path to success. So, yeah, there is a little bit of concern. And, yeah, there's musical chairs going on right now, and the Chiefs are running out of chairs. That's why the, the, the DeAndre Hopkins and the Odell Beckham Jr. thing is exhausting because, one, it's all everyone's talking about, and we're just, you know, we're living in speculation. And then, two, more names are going off the boards. Yeah, the Brandon Cooks deal would have been great for the Chiefs. And, yeah, DJ Shark was a name that made sense, and now he's just recently signed with the Carolina Panthers. At some point, either you're rolling with this role, you know, this cast, or they're going to make a move. That's the part that's up in the air, and we can just go back and forth on, oh, what do we think we need? they should do? We know the situation with these two players being added. The question is, are the Chiefs really going to just throw numbers at the wide receiver position, or are they going to add these players? And these players raise the floor of this roster, just like Derek Nottie, just like those other players. So at some point, and spare me with the, oh, my gosh, they would never add Odell Beckham Jr. They would never add DeAndre Hopkins because they're over 30. This roster is chock full of under 30-year-old players. They have a crop full of draft picks again. This Adding one player over 30 is not going to make the roster just crumble. So um, that's that's my rant on that. I do Look, if they add the players, it's fine. If they don't add it, it's also fine. I would like to see them add one of those players because I think Patrick Mahomes deserves better than Kadarius Toney and Skymore. And I never want Patrick Mahomes to be where he was like, you know, what Tom Brady was when he left New England and he's sitting there, you know, with very few weapons. And right now his best weapon is 34-year-old Travis Kelsey. I want more for him than that. I, I guess that's a weird take now. I guess that's a hot take, but I would like more for Patrick Mahomes than that. I want more for Patrick Mahomes as well. And you sit here and you're, yeah, you just had something pop in my head as you're talking and you, 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 you scared me a little bit. And I'm, I'm, this is tongue in cheek as I say this. Let me preface that. Um, the Chiefs signed MVS the same day that they uh, traded Tyreek Hill. The Chiefs just signed a defensive tackle, Price. You know, free agent. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, put on the tin, put on the tinfoil hat, right? We've got Woo! a Chris Jones replacement here. Byron Coward, replacement for Chris Jones, baby. No, no, that's not, that's not going to happen. And the difference, I think, is it was time for Tyreek Hill to move on. And Tyreek Hill... For as electric as he is, there are certain things that only Tyreek Hill can do as a wide receiver. He There are holes to his game that I think were limiting the Chiefs' offense. Um, and I think that you saw a little bit more balanced attack you know, with what the Chiefs had last year versus what they had in the past with Tyreek Hill. Not to rehash the entire Tyreek Hill situation. And, and the point is, is that you're trying not to win last year's Super Bowl. You're trying to win this year's Super Bowl. So the Jets, they're going to go out and sign all these offensive playmakers and they're going to sell their soul to Aaron Rodgers and, you know, the dark cabin that he's doing crack in or whatever. They're going to sell all their souls to that, trying to win last year's Super Bowl because they were just a quarterback away last year. And guess what? Brie, you know, like their star players, Wilkinson, you know, one of their players could go down. One of their star players could go down and their defense be bad next year. And then they're, you know, they're just back to where they started just with different players. 
You're trying to win this year's Super Bowl. Yes, what we did last year worked, but that does not mean that that's going to work next year. And I get it. Like, oh, well, they could just plug anyone into that role. Look, they did it with Juju. Juju was a first-round pick. This was a good wide receiver who had, you know, over 1,000-yard receivings in seasons. That player is not really sitting out there anymore, or they're DeAndre Hopkins and Odell Beckham Jr. So at what point are we just like, you know, we did it once. Let's let's test it again. I'm internally eternally grateful for the Super Bowl the Chiefs gave us. And yes, they have a lot to pound their chest about for the move that they made. But I do think there is a little bit of like, don't don't get don't don't get too smart. Don't get to this point where like, oh, well, we can just do it with anyone. Well, yeah, people do that a little bit with the age thing, like you mentioned. I mean, the Chiefs' best offensive weapon outside of Patrick Mahomes is 34 year old Travis Kelsey. Right. I mean, he's he's not just over 30, 30, like he's halfway to 40 at this point. Um, and an over 30 DeAndre Hopkins is better than Alan Lazard. That's just a fact. Like Alan Lazard in his prime right now is not as good as a 75 percent DeAndre Hopkins at this point in his career. And so and you're not we're not trying to say that DeAndre Hopkins is the long term goal. We're talking about winning next year's Super Bowl. You're talking about a 12 month you know, sprint to go get another title. And that's the goal. And that's the purpose that an Odell Beckham Jr. or DeAndre Hopkins would serve. Um, So anyway, moving on to a little bit more action that's happened around, around the league. The Chiefs have had to say goodbye to a few players so far. We had to say goodbye to another, you know, member of the championship roster this year, RIP, to the great contributor, Ronald Jones, as he goes to the Cowboys to replace Ezekiel Elliott, um, backing up uh, uh, Pollard over there. Um, I'm actually happy for him. He he wasn't going to have an opportunity. He was never really a great fit here in Kansas City. And, you know, maybe he can have a chance to kind of revitalize his career a little bit and get back on track. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that, that makes some sense. It's very similar to what he had here where he was not the pass, that pass blocking down back here. Great offensive line. Ronald Jones just needs to run fast in an, in an open gap. That you know That's what his avenue is. I honestly wouldn't have mind seeing him get a little bit more run here in Kansas City, but Isaiah Pacheco very quickly made his role much smaller. And you know the Chiefs floated around with CEH a little bit at the beginning of the year. So, yeah, I good for him. I Hopefully he finds some avenues to success down there. And we talked a little bit about some of the players that, that we wanted the Chiefs to target and that have come off the board. You mentioned DJ Shark just uh, recently went to the Panthers. Another wide receiver that a lot of Chiefs fans were hoping the Chiefs would be in on was Adam Thielen. He also went to the Panthers, got a pretty good contract for his age. I mean, he's he's no spring chicken, and I'm pretty sure he got a three-year, a three-year contract with a pretty decent salary. So Good to him. It looks like the Panthers The Panthers lost DJ Moore in the trade-up for number one. It seems like they're just trying to surround whatever quarterback, whether it be Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud, with capable, reliable pass catchers um, to kind of ease the transition in for whatever rookie they get. Yeah, you lose one DJ, you got to sign another, right? You got to have those high, those uh, alphabet suit names. But all- you know how I feel about grown men with toddlers' names, Price. <laughs> I am not a fan of grown men who have the names of toddlers. If you want your name to be DJ or, I don't know, say another. It's always J. It's always J. C-J, AJ yeah. or, yeah, CJ. Or even there's some other ones, too. Like, like, I don't know. I have a little brother named Ricky. He's in his 30s. He still goes by Ricky. Like, I don't know. I love him to death, but Ricky's a toddler's name as well. 
But uh, <laughs> and I and, and this is the pot calling the, the the kettle black. I'm not. I don't have a toddler's name, but everybody, half the people on the population of the United States of America have a a five pound dog named Rocky, like a little cocker spaniel or a Shih Tzu or you know some sort of mutt that they found at the pound that has one blind eye and three legs. They're all named Rocky. Everybody's house you go to, they got a dog named Rocky. It seems like. Yeah, well, um, I'm thankful that I don't have a toddler's name. I have a weird name that many people mess up often or flip my first and last name. But either way, uh, yeah, the wide receiver market, again, kind of going back to that previous conversation, there's been more movement. McCall Herman was a name that made sense to come back to the Chiefs. He's gone to the Jets now, which I'm just so excited for uh, Aaron Rodgers to just completely turn his back on McCall Herman when McCall Herman inevitably runs routes wrong, which is something that we've seen Patrick Holmes do very often with him. Um, and then subsequently, Elijah Moore got traded to the Browns. Uh, that was kind of a pick swap uh, between the Browns and the Jets. And then DJ Shark and Adam Thielen, all these moves kind of exist again in that second wave of free agency that, you know, those were some names that we're holding out for. And again, it goes back to that musical chairs analogy. She's running out of chairs here. So either you're just going with total scrubs or, and who knows, maybe we're looking at this the whole wrong way. Maybe the Chiefs at every... Um, you know, middle schooler that's got 35 followers on Twitter that responds, don't forget about Justin Ross. Maybe they're right. Maybe they're right. Maybe Justin Ross is the, the way, the truth, and the light. And Sky Moore is going to take a huge step forward, in which case the Chiefs win. And they've got, you know, they signed a wide receiver one as a UDFA, and they fixed all of his medical issues. And he's going to be great. I hope, you know, for their sake, I totally hope that that's true. I would love that. But I'm just planning for more than one. You know, the say goes, hope in one hand, crap in the other two, which fills up faster. Um, that's kind of reality, right? So as much as I would love to hope that that's true, there's the, that other hand I have to worry about too. Yeah. There's one other situate possibility that I'm almost afraid to even speak out loud that if Brett, if this is the plan by Brett Veach, it'll be a situation where he's playing chess where everybody else is playing checkers. And it's that if you look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who are in a horrible cap situation, who struggled just to get below the cap before the start of the league new year, they restructured pretty much every single star in their offense except for Mike Evans. Mike Evans is the only player they did not restructure, and they cannot move him because of his contract till after June 1st, which is post after the draft, right? Now, if the plan is all along that after June 1st, the Chiefs are going to make a run at throwing a number two, a 2024 number two for Mike Evans, and the Chiefs backfill their roster through the draft and through these, you know, dink and dunks and free agency, and they end up, you know, come around training camp with with a 31-year-old Mike Evans starting on the outside, then Brett Veach is going to look like a genius, and we're really going to have to say trust the process, right? You know, now that's – no guarantee by any means, nothing to hold your breath for, but that is a, you know, break class in case of emergency possibility that, that could be on the horizon down the road. For sure. And, you know, we, we can end the wide receiver dialogue because it, it may all be resolved by the time this podcast gets re get released, but it, it's just an interesting approach to an important position. And, you know, I think ultimately the thing is, is that Brett Beach has earned the reputation to have some trust be placed in him. This isn't the Tyree kill situation 2.0 and, you know, kind of bringing it back full, full circle. I don't think Chris Jones is a player you want to move as far as what he brings to the defense and everything. So 
Um, the Chiefs had some players to spare on offense as far as like their star is Patrick Mahomes and then Travis Kelsey, and then it was Tyreek Hill. Chris Jones is the Patrick Mahomes of the defense. So let's just hope that, you know, like I said, it's Justin Ross season, baby. It's Justin Ross season. And yeah, to, to back up what you said, I was fully beating the drum for the Chiefs to move Tyreek Hill well before it was even like a thing. You know, I think it was probably that October of that season, I was of his final season in Kansas City, I was saying the Chiefs need to think about moving them. I do not think the Chiefs should move Chris Jones under any circumstances. I think he's worth $30 million a year, and I think you need to keep him on the roster. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Moving forward to our next little topic we're going to try something out here that we call uh, grading the mocks, where we're going to look at various different mock drafts that um, people have done for the NFL and see where they've mocked the Chiefs and kind of just uh, give them an overall grade and some feedback on what we think of their idea of where the Chiefs are going to go in these mock drafts. So uh, the first one we have up is the uh, 33rd team's mock draft um, over here. What do you think about it, Price? Uh, what's your uh, what's your initial take on the thirty third team's mock? I'll let you break to the to the listeners who they have the Chiefs going with. Yeah, so I think I think one thing to remember about mock drafts is the goal here is not to be right. It is not. It is. To, it is an exercise to show how things can go differently. I think back two years ago to the drafts where Justin Fields fell outside of the top ten. Everyone could not believe that. Like Justin Fields was, you know, everyone think, was thinking top five. It happens every year. There's some moves that happen in the draft that surprise some teams, whether it be trades, whether it be players shooting up the boards, falling down the boards. Maybe they smoke some marijuana with a gas mask on. Who knows? But uh, this one was probably one of the more interesting ones that we had here. Um, this one had some volatility to it. Uh, you've got the Colts trading up to one. Uh, to take Anthony Richardson, which taking Anthony Richardson at one was pretty surprising to me in itself, given most people think that that's going to be Young or Stroud. Um, then, it, then it's a little chalky here in the mid-rounds. Then we get Dalton Kincaid at 15 to the Packers, which I thought was interesting as well. Uh, Darnell Wright all the way up at 17 to the Steelers. That's pretty high for him. Bijan goes 18 to the Lions. Uh, and obviously, the 33rd team, you can go look this mock-up on their uh, stuff on their website. We want to give them credit as well. Jalen Hyatt up at 21. So at pick 31, where the Chiefs are selecting, they take Jackson Smith and Jigba. 
And I, you know, as far as like what I would feel for the Chiefs for this, I would be elated. I, I that's fantastic. This is this is the mock that like if I can push this button to be true, it absolutely is. I personally think this one's a little unrealistic. Um, they've got Miles Murphy going to the Saints right before them. Anton Harrison. There's quite a few wide receivers. They have both Josh Downs and Jalen Hyatt going in front of Jackson Smith and Jigba. And they have Trenton Simpson, a linebacker, going to the Giants. I understand the Giants have a real need there. They've also got two tight ends. They've got Michael Mayer and Dalton Kincaid. And some of the more in-the-know mocks recently have Brian Branch kind of fallen outside of the first round, surprisingly enough. I just I think this one is a little too optimistic, a little too rosy for me. I would love it. I absolutely would love it. But that's my take. Well, and looking at it, too, they have uh, Zay Flowers going number 46 after the Chiefs, you know, still on the board. In the, and, I, I mean, the, elect, the electricity that Zay Flowers plays with, I almost think that as reliable as Jackson Smith and Jigba is, if, if Zay Flowers is there, they they take a shot there instead. But then also, looking at some other positions, you have BJ, BJ Ojolari still on the board. You have um, – you have as well as you have uh, Will McDonald the fourth, Nolan Smith – still on the board. I mean, there's a lot of guys here who, who are generally uh, projected or selected and a lot of mock drafts before 31 that are still on the board here, which Jackson Smith and Jigba is as well. So this is, I will give this to the 3013. I think it's probably one of the more outside the box thinking mock drafts that you will find as far as they stand by their own scouting reports on these. And this is based on their own, player rankings their own you know assessment of each player um it's it's different it's different than the other mock drafts that you're going to see out there um overall what grade would you give it i'm gonna go with like a c minus maybe uh i love the player love the player the overall mock as far as accuracy goes and what i think will happen in reality i'm gonna give a c they've got a you know they've got several wide receivers going above jsn they've got a linebacker in the first round Anthony Richardson at one. I know that that doesn't really impact the Chiefs a whole lot, but I don't think he's. I don't think you're moving up to one to take Anthony Richardson. I think that's more of the Cardinal spot if you're in love with Anthony Richardson. I think. I think I'm a hundred percent on board with you. I think uh, a C or a C minus is kind of about where I fall on that one. Okay, moving on to the next draft, we have CBS's own Chris Trapasso came out with a mock draft this week as well um, in his mock draft. He has, he has the uh, um, the Chiefs going with Will McDonald the fourth at his um, at, at number thirty one. Um, this I you, I you I think this is kind of the uh, trendy pick for the Chiefs at the moment. You see this in a lot of in a lot of mock drafts that a lot of people think that the Chiefs are going to go with Will McDonald the fourth. I think I think part of that is that the Chiefs need edge help. And as the board starts to fall, you start to look at it and you say, okay, well, what what guy can come in and kind of have instantaneous production? What guy has shown good production um, comes from a major power five division? And that's that's Will McDonald. He's 6'4", 239, so he's not the biggest guy. But he's, he's, he's produced in his time at Iowa State, and he's got a lot of juice. He's got a complete rush package. I don't hate Will McDonald. Is he the guy that I would probably take first as an edge rusher? Probably not. But if that's the name that gets called at the, on the first at the end of the first round of the draft, I'm not going to be you know, you know, hemming and hawing about it either. 
Yeah, this, this one's a little unique here. We've got four quarterbacks in this first round. Hinton Hooker goes Vikings at 23. You've got three tight ends, Kincaid, Washington, and Mayer all go, and two running backs, Gibbs and Bijan, both go in the first round here. So if I told you that mock was here, and you had all those positions being taken in front of the Chiefs, you're thinking, oh, this is a great outcome for the Chiefs. There's also an interior offensive lineman taken here as well in the first round, which not a lot of them have. Joe Titman is going to the Giants in this mock. So you're, you're getting pretty excited. I feel like coming away with Will McDonald in this instance is a little bit of a disappointment. I like Will McDonald, and I think he can do some great things for the Chiefs. I'm not sure how I like him at 31, given the Chiefs situation. Jordan Addison would probably be the player I'm picking here, looking at what's on the board. He's not gone in this. Uh, You've got Zay Flowers off the board. You've got JSN off the board. You've gotten Quentin Johnston off the board here. But, um, yeah, this one's a little surprising to me. I, I actually like the draft as far as how it looks overall, and I think that there's some good players in it. And I think – Yeah. That, the, sorry, I, go ahead. I, I, I think it's realistic. Um, however, I, I don't necessarily love the Chiefs pick. I'll give this one a B. I think it's a good. I think it's a good mock. I think it's a good good example of how things can fall and teams can fall in love with someone. I'd be shocked if Gibbs went in the first. I'd be shocked if Gibbs went in the first. Two, Gibbs went in the first two. I would honestly be shocked if Darnell Wright went in the first. He is rising up draft boards a lot. And a lot of players really like him. Um, Hendon Hooker is another guy that's been rising up draft boards. He's a great, great quarterback. But he's he's he's, he's coming back from an injury. So he's, his whole entire rookie year is going to be a redshirt season, and I believe he's already 25 years old. Um, the thing that strikes me when I look at this is Paris Johnson Jr. is still on the board when the Chiefs select, and they have him going with Will McDonald. It, as much as I like Will McDonald, if Paris Johnson Jr. is on the board when the Chiefs draft and they don't take him, I, I'm taking back everything I just said. I am definitely poo-pooing this pick and – being pissed off yeah um honestly Paris Johnson in the first is usually so chalked that I wasn't even looking at that you know I'd seen Darnell Wright go off the board but yeah that's that's almost like did he forget like did he forget the name he's got Kansas going to Steelers I mean yeah if if Paris Johnson does not go in the first he's 30 you know the the first pick of the second round right that that that's surprising to me good eye on you for catching that yeah I'm absolutely running to put in Paris Johnson. I get the wide receiver needs, but if Jawan Taylor at right tackle is your like weakest offensive lineman or Paris Johnson as a rookie is your weakest offensive lineman, you're in tremendous shape. You know what? Maybe maybe they can just run the ball into oblivion and just throw the ball to Travis Kelsey when they need to. So um yeah that, that one's a little surprising. I'm not I'm not sure what's going on there. Yeah I think I think they may have forgotten about Paris Johnson Jr. He got deleted off the spreadsheet or something like that. All right, our next our next one up is PFF over at Pro Football Focus. Like to give them the uh, the props that they deserve. Um, they have the uh, Chiefs going with the local guy um, FAU out of out of uh, out of Kansas State. Talk to me about this uh, this mock draft and what you think about it. Well, I love the FAU pick, right? Philotena Duke Uzama. He's a guy that I don't think K State necessarily did a ton of favors for as far as a pass rusher. The way that they had him lined up a lot of times, it wasn't the most effective use of his skill set. So I, he's a player that I would love for the Chiefs. And at pick 31, I feel like that's great value. I feel like that's right about, you know, I know he's risen up boards more recently. Absolutely don't have a problem with them taking him at that pick. Uh, just kind of looking at the mock as a whole. Um, this one, 
this one honestly feels pretty consensus, pretty chalky as far as that goes. You know, you've got your one running back. You've got uh, looks like Jordan Addison goes on this mock. Um, I'm looking here. Depending on how you feel about the player, I don't see Zay Flowers off the board at this point. Uh, the Texans go with Quentin Johnson. That's a pretty popular pick to him. JSN went to the Titans. Um, Kalijah Cansey all the way up at 10. It's fun to see how how wide the spectrum is for him. But yeah, I I, I think that this it in you know to just kind of bring it back to the point that the Chiefs have DeAndre Hopkins. This this feels amazing to get uh, FAU at 31 because of the upside of that line and the youth and the agility going into thinking about what Carl Aftis is in year two. Chris Jones, Amenahu, FAU, and then if they bring back with Carlos Dunlap or uh, Frank Clark, like there's some real reasons to get excited about that pass rush. Well, yeah, and I think that the good thing about that Felix Anaduke Uzoma offers that maybe Will McDonald doesn't is that even though he's only about 13 pounds heavier at, at 255 pounds, it's enough that as he continues to fill out his body, he's only 21, just, just turned 21 years old. As his body continues to fill out a little bit, he will have some of that outside-inside versatility that the Chiefs like to have. Um, and you just love the athletic profile on him. Um, I, I, I don't, I don't think that the way with the way that this uh, this mock draft fell, I don't think I could uh, could have found could would have taken anybody different than FAU here, um, especially with Anton Harrison already being off the board here. Since you see him on the board a lot of times. Um, I, I, I'd give this, I'd give this, uh, this mock draft a B plus in my opinion. Same, same for me. Uh, last one is one of the, the fathers of the mock draft, Daniel Jeremiah. Daniel Jeremiah's mock draft is really interesting too, because he's partially telling you what he's hearing, partially telling you what he thinks will happen. Um, so most of this is fairly kind of chalk up at the top 10, you know, uh, Raiders end up with Tyree Wilson. They don't go quarterback. Uh, Peter Skaronsky is the first offensive lineman off the board to the Bears. That makes some sense. They don't know exactly what they have at their tackle positions full-time yet. Skaronsky could kick inside. You've got Van Ness going to the Eagles at 10. Jackson Smith and Jigba is becoming a popular pick of the Titans at 11. Uh, Texans take Miles Murphy, just kind of a good floor player. Nolan Smith just continues to creep up. I've seen him as high as 10. He's going to the Jets here at 13. The Patriots like B. John Robinson. Paris Johnson goes to the Packers at 15. Go scroll down here a little bit to kind of where the Chiefs are existing. You've got Jordan Addison and Zay Flowers going in back-to-back picks to the Seahawks and Chargers. That hurts the Chiefs. We've got another Hendon Hooker at pick 23 to the Vikings. Please let that happen. Great news for the Chiefs. Just another good player falling. Uh, here's kind of an interesting realm here. Please do not let this happen. If this happens, if he falls, I would absolutely move up to try to get this to happen. So the Giants take Joe Tittman at 25, then Massey Smith at 26 to the Dol- uh, to the Cowboys, which surprises me. Then the Buffalo Bills get Quentin Johnston at pick 27. If if he's falling in that realm, like I think to me, if you are at the Vikings pick and Quentin Johnston is there, you start considering like the Vikings are a team that likes to trade up anyway, especially if they're thinking about taking Hayden Hooker. There's not a lot of teams in this next wave that need a quarterback. 23 is a natural trade-up spot if you wanted to go get Quentin Johnson. Maybe he's not your type of guy. It's a little bit different than what the Chiefs usually run out there. But at the end of the draft, the Chiefs do take Will McDonald again. So this has been a popular choice. Uh, FAU and Will McDonald. FAU goes one pick before the Chiefs. He goes to the Eagles. They kind of keep their pass rush factory up and going. Overall, you know, I would give this a, a, an A or a B plus. I like the pick. Um, you know, we've already kind of broken down McDonald. My big thing is just like, 
if you're if you're in on Quentin Johnson following this far, and especially Jordan Addison going in front of him, I would have loved to see the Chiefs make a move up to go get him. A hundred percent. If 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 Quentin Johnson has fallen this far, then I think that your your yeah your whole draft plan is to is to go get him. Find whatever team you have to do to get in front of twenty seven. Is it the Dallas Cowboys? You know, because there's a good chance Mozzie Smith is still there at thirty one. If you're the Dallas Cowboys, and that's and that is who you have your heart set on, you know, um, you know, is it is it your old friend the Jacksonville Jaguars? Are they at 24? Are they willing to play ball? I think that you you pick up the phone and you start just seeing who can you what can you do to get in front of the Buffalo Bills if you think that, that that's the person who's gonna who's gonna select them before you. Um, I'm I'm with you. I would say I give this a uh, an A minus. As well, the interesting thing is, will on this one, will Levis slides all the way down to nineteen? Uh, Daniel Jeremiah does hedge his bets here, though, and say that that he thinks that Tampa is actually going to trade up to get him, and so he just thinks that at the end of the day, Will Levis is going to be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers quarterback. Well, Baker Mayfield, uh, leadership quarterback to tu- to tutor the new rookie, just this sounds like a treat. Like I cannot wait for the the storylines to come out of that. And as somebody who lives in Tampa Bay, there is an enormous party culture in this city. Uh, Baker Mayfield will love it here. Will Baker Mayfield be successful here? Well, this isn't Cleveland. That's all I'm going to say, right? You know, we have an entire festival here in Tampa called Gasparilla that celebrates a time where pirates were going to invade the city. And the mayor of the city came out and said, don't invade the city. We have a bunch of rum. Let's all get drunk instead. And it saved the city. Like, like there's an entire city festival dedicated to drunken pirates. I wish they would have done that before uh, Super Bowl 55. That would have been way better than what the Chiefs had to endure in Tampa Bay. Just like, uh, you know what? Let's just call it AFC NFC Championships. We both win. We, we drink some rum. We call it good instead of uh, what, what occurred. But sometimes you have to fall to learn to run. And, you know, we probably don't get Super Bowl 57 without 55. 100%. And God bless the broken road that led me straight to you, Super Bowl LVII. Um, all right, so moving forward, we've talked a little bit about these mock drafts. We talked about free agency. What's the path forward, Price? What's what do you think the Chiefs are going to do? What should they do? As far as the draft goes, current current state of the Chiefs roster. I think you probably go best player available except for wide receiver. I think you put an over-prioritization at wide receiver. You know, we talked about a potential move up for uh, uh, Quentin Johnson if he's fallen. I don't think you move. I think the only two players that you move for are probably Njigba and Quentin Johnson as far as quality of player. I'm not moving a whole lot to go get, say, Flowers or Jordan Addison unless they, you know, if it's a slight thing or, hey, we want to get in front of this one team and we're moving up three spots, it's a little bit more palatable to go get their player. But other than that, I, I think they're in a position that they can go best player available. So maybe throw some numbers. You throw, you know, we've seen the Chiefs do this with corner in the past. Throw two or three players at the wide receiver position. You go get your high high floor player, and then you go get someone that's got the athletic traits, might be a little bit more of a project. The most concerning par- part about that plan is just that we know that the Chiefs don't get a lot out of first-year wide receivers. And Andy Reid doesn't particularly get a lot out of first-year wide receivers. But then again, they've never invested as high of a resource in them. So perhaps maybe that's part of it. And going back to those two players, uh, Jackson Smith and Jigmas run much closer to an NFL offense rather than Quentin Johnson or Jordan Addison 
some of those other players. So that might be another reason that they'd be incentivized to go up and get their guy. A hundred percent. I agree with you. I think wide receiver is the, the greatest need right now, just because Patrick Mahomes is the greatest player to ever play football. And if you have the greatest player to ever play football, at any position, it's at the most important position in sports. Then you give him as many bullets and weapons as possible. And you, and, and you always make sure that he's taken care of and he has the guys that he needs. That being said, who it is, I, you know that I got hard eyes for A.T. Perry Price. You know I got hard eyes. Everybody out there, I'm, I, I tweeted this out a little bit ago, but I'm going to implore you, if you got any questions about whether or not you think A.T. Perry is an NFL-ready wide receiver, go on to Twitter. Under Bootleg Football had an awesome interview with him at the East-West Shrine Bowl where he spends about 15 minutes breaking down game film and talking about root concepts and running and what he does on a daily basis to take care of his body and to train and to catch, catch passes, you know, away from his body and to increase his catch radius. I walked away from that interview doubling down. He's my number one wide receiver in this draft price. Hands down. I don't care what anybody says. His ceiling may not be the highest, but his floor is the highest and he will be a successful wide receiver in the NFL. Take that receipt to the bank. All right. Well, you're, you, you've got the tape. You've got the receipts. So we shall see, right? Why not just build the whole thing around A.T. Perry is, is Rocky's take. Well, I mean, that should be your entire draft strategy. Get A.T. Perry and then take care of the rest. Uh, yeah, Phil I, needs I, from there. I don't, I don't know what the Panthers are doing with C.J. Stroud. They've got the wrong toddler name, A.T. Perry. A.T. <laughs> Perry. Yeah, baby. I, well, I, I'll tell you what. Um, he's he's six. He's almost 6'5", Price, and he runs – in the four fours and he can catch the ball. He's great. Anyway, moving on time for our game of the week, everybody. So everybody remembers back in junior high, you know, you hang out with your friends at the lunch table and you play a little game called mash, right? Well, we're going to do a little bit of a twist on the classic mash game. And we're going to do mock draft mash today. The way that that works is instead of the words mash at the top, we have a draft grade of a, B, C, D, or F. And then where you would normally put, you know, say the girl, the girl or boy that you love um, and the car you want, the pet you want, the job you want. We've broken those out into round one, round two, round three and round four. And then on each one of those options, we have a different one of the chief's positions of need. So say, for instance, round one, we have one defensive tackle listed, one defensive end listed, one wide receiver listed and one offensive tackle listed. We have that for all four of the first four rounds in the draft. And now the way that this works, just like when you normally play mash, you could get all good things, all bad things, right? You could end up with four offensive tackles in this mock draft mash, and you're just stuck with it. And that's your future. And as you know, price, every single time you played mash as a child, it was foretelling the future. And it 100% came true. You have a Lamborghini limousine in your driveway right now as a pest control specialist living in your shack with your pet shark. Hey, you forgot, you forgot uh, Hillary Duff in there. She's, she's, you know, oh, she's yeah. on my card. She's on my card. I love you like bringing up things that I didn't even remember. Like you said mash. And I was like that awful cherry candy. And I started thinking, I was like, Oh no, I think I remember this. I, I can't remember if this one involved the little origami thing where you're like, you know, you like did the little fold out flaps. I don't, I don't remember, but hey, 
props to you for being creative. Hey, that's what we're all about here. We're all about doing it a little bit different and having fun with it. I feel like a lot of mock draft shows or a lot of film guys, they just get so serious all the time. And F that. We're here to have fun in this life. If you're not having fun, then what are you doing? So let's get started with this. Um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to start um, making a little swirly line so we can get the number that we're counting off. And you just tell me when to stop, Price. Okay? I'm starting right now. I feel like I'm doing the cheese at Olive Garden. Okay, stop. That's enough. All right. One, two, three, four, five, six. All right. Six is our number. So I'll start counting them off here and letting you know. One, two, three, four, five, six. All right. We got no Tyree Wilson. He is off the board at defensive end in round one. Two, three, four, five, six. No Jalen Duncan in round two. As our, I probably should have told everybody before we started who we had. We had round one. We had Jalen Carter, Tyree Will at defensive tackle. Uh, Tyree Wilson at defensive end. Jackson Smith at Jigba at wide receiver. Dewan Jones at offensive tackle. Round two. We have Kalaja Kansi at defensive tackle, BJ Jolari at defensive end, Jonathan Mingo at wide receiver, Dewan Jones at offensive tackle, round three, Tyler Steen at offensive tackle. Um, at wide receiver, we have Trey Palmer at defensive end. We have Byron Young at defensive tackle. We have Ika out of Baylor. Um, in round four, we have Warren McClendon, the offensive tackle from Georgia. Uh, wide receiver, we have Michael Wilson, the wide receiver from Stanford. At defensive end, we have Isaiah McGuire, the defensive end from Mizzou. And defensive tackle, we have Kobe Turner from Wake Forest. Anyway, moving on to where we were. All right, DeJuan Jones is off the board in uh, round two. Let's keep it going. One, two, three, four, five, six. We got no Michael Wilson from Stanford. He is off the board. Three, four, we, th there will not be a D rating on this draft. We are either an A, B, C, or an F. All right, let's keep going. Oh, Kill my heart, Jonathan Mingo. You are gone and not going to be a chief. Well, let's keep going. Isaiah McGuire is gone in round four. Oh, look at that. No F rating for our draft. It's either going to be an A, B, or a C draft. We'll keep going. Tyler Steen is off the board in round three. He will not be our offensive tackle. Oh, bummer. No A rating in the draft either. That is that is removed. Let's keep going. We go down. Kalijah Kansi is off, is off the board and will not be our round two selection. That makes B.J. Ojolari, defensive end at LSU, our round two selection. Now, that's the interesting thing about, about mock draft match. You may make your round two selection before you make your round one selection. All right, let's keep this going here. All right, our B grade is gone. That means that we're going to have a C grade. No matter how this draft ends up, it's going to be a C grade, which – it's passable, but not what we're used to over in Chiefs Kingdom. All right, let's keep going. One, two, three, four. Ika is off the board. Let's keep going. Trey Palmer's off the board. So we're ended up with Byron Young. That's two edge rushers in the draft. Byron Young in the from Tennessee in the third round. All right, so let's keep going. Warren McClendon is off the board as well. That leaves, that means that in the fourth round we took Kobe Turner the defensive tackle out of Wake Forest. It's all down to round one, baby. Let's see who we end up with the 31st overall pick. Jalen Carter is gone. Let's go. And Dewan Jones is gone. Okay, so here we go. Mac, ready for it? Mock draft mash results. 
In the first round of the 2023 NFL Draft, the Kansas City Chiefs select Jackson Smith and Jigba, wide receiver at Ohio State. The crowd goes wild. Oh, my gosh. How'd they get him? Round two, Chiefs select B.J. Ojolari, defensive end from LSU. Oh, my gosh. Great bend. Great stuff. He's amazing. Round three, Chiefs select another defensive end, Byron Young from Tennessee. That guy's got a lot of upside. Oh, my gosh. We're so happy. And then round four, Kobe Turner, defensive tackle from Wake Forest. Honestly, Price, I don't think this could have turned out much better for the Chiefs. 17 and 0, baby. 17 and 0. Yeah, I love it. Uh, get some depth along the defensive line. Got a lot of upside. I like the PGO Jolari. Very some very different than, than what they currently have as a pass rush. Uh, would like to see the Chiefs kind of head in that direction anyway. And then yeah, I feel like we got the wide receiver one. Uh it, we didn't we didn't go over how they got it, right? Maybe maybe it involved a big move up or some future picks, but I, I like the results. I'm not mad about this at all. Uh it was a gas mask again, price mm-hmm. actually. It's always uh, smoking weed with a gas mask when it comes to these mock drafts with us. If a guy slides, the Chiefs didn't have to give up anything. It was all on him, and it was a misunderstanding. It was actually for a Halloween party. He went as Larry Tunsil pre-draft uh, at, a, at a Halloween party last year, and people just misunderstood the photo. All right, anyway, moving on. Let's talk about our sleepers of the week. Who you got as your sleeper of the week, Price? All right. Well, speak, you know, kind of sticking with the pass rusher theme here. Uh, I've got Edge Jose Ramirez from Eastern Michigan. He's 6'2, 238 pounds. Both of those are kind of under Spag's threshold of players that usually likes. This guy doesn't profile out as a traditional Spag's defensive end. But as we've discussed, I think the Chiefs have shown a propensity to maybe step outside of that mold and also a little bit of flexibility with the guys that they have on it. He's definitely a designated pass rusher. He has struggled against the run at times. His best trait is his quick burst off the ball with a 6.95 three cone and a 4.3 shuttle. He was one of the fastest defensive ends at the NFL Combine, and he also has great production at the collegiate level. Uh, He started out at a community college and then moved to Eastern Michigan, but the last two seasons, he's put up great sack numbers. This is a guy that I like as a developmental guy, pass rush only guy, and someone that you could bring in in certain situations and really kind of fulfill that NASCAR package. Again, whenever, you know, we're talking day three player here, maybe some team really talks himself into him in day two. But to throw that on the Chiefs defensive line with the level of pick that is, I love the upside. Oh, my gosh. I love this this sleeper. Um, even previous, prior to the, to the combine, I was looking at Ramirez and thinking, man, he would be a nice fit for the Kansas City Chiefs. And then once I saw him move, at the combine and saw that he was the fastest edge rusher and just in the drills, the lines that he took and the way that he eliminated extra steps and space and maximized, you know, his line to get through the different drills. It just showed to me that he has a forethought and a plan in his pass rush and the way that he approaches the game that I was really impressed with. So a hundred percent, if the chiefs end up with Jose Ramirez, out of this draft as a day three guy, I think that he could be one of the gems and one of the steals of the draft. The guy I got is another guy that I'm kind of big on that doesn't get a whole lot of a whole lot of pop, and so I'm going to give him a little bit of pop here. Um, Devonsha Maxwell, defensive tackle out of Chattanooga, Tennessee. Um, 6'3", 296 pounds, straight out of Valdosta, Georgia. Uh, last year, 
had 23 solo tackles, seven and a half sacks, and two forced fumbles. Now, this guy obviously plays at a small school. Um, decent production, not overwhelming production. But when you watch him, he on the plays where he didn't get home, he blew up the play consistently. Had a lot of pressures, had a lot of just disruption. Um, gets off the ball fast. He was he was the best player on the defensive line for his team, which means that he faced a lot of double teams, some triple teams, and he handled them, and he was still productive. And you saw him beat double teams and triple teams. Now it was at the lower levels, and he has to prove it, you know, at the pro level. But as a day three guy, or maybe an undrafted free agent, maybe even. I think he's a guy who could come in and develop into a solid rotational guy who could probably get you maybe four or five sacks a year down the line. I think if it's an undrafted free agent or or a sixth or seventh round pick, that's about really all you can ask for, you know, out of these sort of guys. And so I think that he's a guy who has more juice than the level of competition that he played at. Yeah, with defensive tackle, right? Really, those early rounds, those early round guys are pass rush upside. Other than that, you're looking at a plugger and a gapper. And I feel like if the Chiefs are not going to be in on some of those guys who have pass rush upside, your Mazzy Smith, your Keanu Bentons, you're then looking at these type of players. We've seen them bring in some players like that as well for their top 30 visits. I think it's reasonable to think that this is a name that the Chiefs could be calling. Awesome. Awesome. Well, everybody, we've kind of come to the end of our show today. Um, Hopefully, by the time this comes out, DeAndre Hopkins is the Chief. And we've traded for, I don't know, we'll say the first overall pick in the draft, and we're going to draft Jalen Carter. And, you know, all your hopes and dreams have come true. Uh, just a reminder, the editor's show does return this week with with Pete and John. Um, always be on the lookout for the AP Draft Room with our guy, Ron Cop Jr., uh, the OG film guy for us. He breaks it down every single Friday. And then everything we got coming out over Arrowhead Pride, even though this is kind of the lull between free agency and the draft as things kind of transition, we still have constant content coming out for you guys, um, constant you know articles, that sort of stuff. Um, I had an article come out today just to kind of look at three possible veteran free agent quarterback options to replace Chad Henney. Go over there, check it out, comment on it. Price, what do you got coming up? Um, I am working on mock draft Monday. Uh, I'm putting out a mock a week until, and not just like, obviously I'm drafting and doing them on my Twitter way more often than I should, but these are actually uh, write-ups just kind of talking about what players were available, which way do they take, kind of going through different paths and just writing out into uh, an article. So look for that Monday afternoon. Uh, it should be up. Awesome, buddy. I can't wait to check it out. Everybody, as always, thank you so much for the uh, privilege of your time and and listening to us today. If you feel like we've deserved it, head on over to Apple Podcasts and and drop us a five-star review. We always appreciate it. Or just drop us whatever whatever level of stars you think that we deserve. Any review and any feedback is, is appreciated and taken to heart. So with that being said, thank you very much. Everybody have a great day. We'll talk to you next week.